This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Okay, welcome back to Yahoo Finance Sportsbook. Happy New Year. Delighted to kick off 2019 here. Uh, Worth a quick mention, we did have some great guests in 2018 that I want to give a shout out to. We had a good year on the podcast. Uh, Always fun to have in authors of new books on sports, sports business books. We had in Jeff Perlman. We had Mike Lombardian, Michael Lewis. He was a a delight to have in. And ESPN's Ian O'Connor, who has a big book out on Bill Belichick. We had athletes like Paul Rabel, the lacrosse player, Martellus Bennett, NFL veteran, And, of course, we had our usual mix of reporters, writers, and subject matter experts. And so, happy to kick off 2019 in that same vein with a colleague, uh, you could say, across the aisle from Yahoo Sports. This is Yahoo Sports writer Jay Busby joining us to talk NFL. Hi, Jay. How are you, sir? Across the aisle sounds like we're at odds, but fortunately we're not. You're right. It's very much a bipartisan effort here. That's right. We could say sister publications. There you go. That works. (laughs) Uh, Well, as we record this, we do have our conference championship matchups in place. We've got uh, Saints-Rams and Chiefs-Pats, and those are going to be two good games, I hope. Uh, They look to be two close good games, although in general it feels to me vaguely like in the last two weeks we didn't have as many close, exciting-till-the-end games as I hoped. Yeah, after a season in which ratings went up, interest went up, everybody was fired up about the NFL We've had a couple of dog weekends, with, with no offense to all dogs out there. It's, it's, been, uh, it's been a little, I won't say let down, because, I mean, still, the NFL is the NFL, and it's, it's going to be a juggernaut no matter what. But uh, both the wild card and the divisional weekends, you didn't have that one game where you were, you were texting your friends to make sure that they were watching, that you were on the edge of your seat, you were standing up and screaming at the TV. So hopefully, I mean, we've got the four best teams from the NFL all season. These are the four teams that everybody said was going to, were going to be in line right. for the Super Bowl, and hopefully it'll pay off. Yeah, and you know, I'm glad you said that. The four best teams. Is there any negative here in terms of, I believe it was all the favorites, that is, all of the one and, and two seeds? And uh, some people say, oh, man, you know, it's kind of all, all the obvious ones. But as you say, I mean, that should make for the best matchups. Yeah, it, it depends on whether you're a fan of you know the Eagles or the Colts or something like that. Obviously, they're not going to be as happy. But being a Falcons fan, I can tell you that you get used to disappointment after a while. So it, uh, it settles in on your soul, and you, and you get over it. But from a pure football perspective, I mean, football is one of the last sports, certainly more so than baseball, uh, for instance, that, that people will watch no matter what the teams are. It's not a local sport. It's much more, more of a national following. And so you want to have the best possible matchups as, as fun as it would be to see some underdog play their way into the uh, AFC or NFC championship. You would rather see a good game, two good games this next Sunday. And I think that's what we're in for. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the, the four quarterbacks that are left because quarterbacks have been a really interesting story all season. And actually uh, in a way, a business story, because, you know, we saw that in the first few weeks, it quickly emerged that the league was uh, specifically trying to protect the quarterbacks. And it was obvious why that was, you know, as you said, ratings were up. And I think the league realized it isn't going to be good for anyone if star quarterbacks are getting injured and they're out for the season. And so we saw that uh, refs were calling roughing the passer more often, and we saw some defensive guys complaining. But in general, you know, my take on that is that it was the right strategy because, for the most part, starting star QBs stuck around all season, and I think that that helped drive ratings. So now you look at the four quarterbacks that are left, and really interesting to me, you've got two young guns, you know, brand-new guys, either rookie or second season, um, uh, Goff and uh, Mahomes. You know, first season as a starter, but his second season in the league. But then you've got two uh, veterans, Drew Brees and Tom Brady, who really mirror each other and have been around forever and are still so good. 
Uh, tell me about those storylines and, and your take on kind of, uh, it seems like it was the season of the quarterback. Yeah, this is really setting up to be one of those uh, sort of uh, NFL stories where you have the, the dramatic music and you have the passing of the torch and you've got the, the two senior quarterbacks and then the two up-and-comers who are, who are trying to take their crown away from them. And I love that stuff. I mean, I am. There, there's no wrong way to watch an NFL game, I don't think, but I watch from a story perspective. I watch from a narrative perspective. I mean, I enjoy the analytics. I enjoy the business side. But the narrative is what interests me the most of all. And, and to see this kind of narrative play out where you've got these two guys who are still at the absolute top of their game, even though most of their contemporaries have retired, and then you see these two guys who are so far ahead of the curve that they're, that they're redefining the curve, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, am I right to say, I mean, it, it does seem like it, the league was involved in saying, look, we want to keep the quarterbacks healthy. And what do you make of that decision, that, that kind of rule being called a lot more this season? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, they have to from a business perspective. If you look at it from a purely uh, talent standpoint, there are probably, oh, say maybe 16 to 18 first-rate starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, that doesn't work so well when you've got 32 teams. So Obviously, there are a lot of teams doing patchwork efforts and things like that, but you want to hold on to those 16 to 18 guys because those are the focal points of teams, as we saw with Green Bay last year, losing Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, I think the NFL did what it had to do to protect quarterbacks, and, uh, you know, I defend it. Yeah, and if we stick with quarterbacks, as you mentioned, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, these, there is a great, it automatically sets up this narrative of, you know, the old guard and then the new guard. And let me ask you a little bit about Brees, you know, if we stick with him. I believe it was SI, maybe a month or two ago, did a big story, and they basically said, you know, Drew Brees is reminding everyone that he's good. He, he's underrated. People overlook him. People don't respect him enough. And that story got a little bit of, of blowback from other sports media sites that were basically saying, this is a straw man argument. This is a fallacy. No one underrates Drew Brees. We haven't forgotten about him. Everyone knows how good he is. What do you make of all that? Because, again, yesterday I, I listened to the Saints game. On, uh, I listened to the first part on the radio. I was in the car. Um, I listened on Sirius XM, and they were saying the same thing where it's like, ooh, you know, he's sort of been under the radar. Now he's reminding everyone, hey, you forgot Drew Brees, you know, one of the best quarterbacks ever. Um, but, but I still don't agree. I don't think people really forgot about Drew Brees in the last few years. Yeah, a lot of times when you hear uh, something where, where it's uh, people are saying or a lot of people are underrating, that means that the speaker themselves is saying that. The speaker right. themselves has discovered that. Wait a second, I forgot about Drew Brees. Brees, I can tell you, as I say, you know, I'm in Atlanta. Uh, the Falcons play Brees twice a year. I can tell you that nobody's forgotten about him. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's just unbelievably good. And so, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't play in a major market. He doesn't play – he doesn't have the kind of – of, of ad presence, you know, sponsorship presence that maybe bigger names might have, but but he's still just relentlessly good. And that that article and then the blowback to it that that got way deep into the sports media uh, weeds that we don't need to go down there. But that was interesting to see how people reacted to both the article and then the blowback to the blowback. But uh, at the bottom line, yeah, I don't think that anybody is anybody who pays attention to the game is underrating Drew Brees. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and and you know, part of me, you know, I'm a Patriots fan, which. I, I broadcast loudly and say way too often on this show, but yeah. it's, it's always like, hey, full disclosure. And I was actually kind of rooting for the Eagles, and I, I love the Drew Brees story, and you know that's great, that's positive, but as a neutral party for that game, I liked the idea of the Eagles because, man, they had so much swagger. Uh, and you know, even down to the, to the end, before uh, the Alshon Jeffrey flub there, the, the deflection by accident, uh, it looked like Foles could have done it. I mean, he got the ball with two minutes left and down seven, and I was sort of rooting for a 
uh, a Patriots-Eagles rematch. And the reason I bring all this up, I was asking a friend, you know, don't you think that would be great? Even though people hate the Pats so much, don't you think a rematch would be great? And he said, no, no one wants to see that again. No one wants to see that. I said, gosh. <laughs> and then I said, or, on the other hand, wouldn't Breeze versus Brady be great? Two legends who at 40 and 41 are still at the top of their game. Wow. You know, could be. And, and one of them wins and then probably retires, you would think. And he said, nope, no one wants to see that either. And I think people just tend to be so anti-Patriots, whereas... Maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy, but even if you hate the Patriots and you're sick of them winning, don't you think just Tom Brady still being this good is a fascinating story to any person who likes football? Don't don't play the victim with me here, man. <laughs> that that that's the last thing I want is, is, is for a Patriots fan to play the victim. <laughs> no, uh, it's it, I, it's interesting because you, you're talking about you're, you're you're bringing up two different subjects in, in in the sense of if you want to watch a football game that is entertaining on its face. Yeah, you're going to love the Patriots. You know, if you're going to want to watch the Patriots, the absolute best. Belichick proved it yesterday. He's just a master. There's just nobody close to that guy. I mean, even the most rabid Patriots haters have to admit that. But if you're looking for something where you want to see something new, where you want to see somebody new in the in the Super Bowl, then definitely you're going to pull for somebody else. I'm going to be uh, at the Super Bowl. I'm going to be covering it. I can tell you straight up, I would love to have anybody but the Patriots there because it's just it's the same stuff, it's the same stories, it's the same denials, it's the same stonewalling. But you're right, from a narrative perspective, from a, from an epic sweep perspective, wouldn't it be great to see Tom Brady knock off three generations of quarterbacks if he were to go and say take out Jared Goff, or if he were to take out the only other still contender to his throne, which is Drew Brees? Either way, it would be good from a narrative perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as I mentioned in my tease of the episode, one of our guests uh, last year was Ian O'Connor, this ESPN NFL guy who has a big you know, doorstop of a book out on Belichick. And it was interesting having him in. We got into kind of what I see as too interesting right now. And again, I would think interesting to anyone, but uh, debates about sort of the Pats dynasty. Okay, one is who deserves more of the credit, Brady or Belichick? And maybe it's a silly exercise and people say, well, they're both great. But I'd be curious your take on that if you want to weigh in. And then the second part of it is I said to Ian, if and when Brady wins yet another ring, whether it's this season, next season, whatever, I would think he'd stop then. I mean, go out on top. And I was sort of surprised. He said, "Mm, I think Brady really wants to play like five more seasons, which, of course, is insane. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I've got that book. I've got it sitting on my desk. It's weighing down one corner of my desk. I need to to get to it at some point. But uh, I think you have to go Belichick because – as great as Brady has been, he's only one player, whereas Belichick has, has created an entire philosophy. He's created the Patriots' way. He set this entire – I mean, obviously it doesn't work without Brady, but, you know, it, it's, it's like saying, I don't know, it's like saying that uh, the key is the most important part of the car. You know, you need a whole lot more than just the key to make the car run. And I think that, that Belichick is the kind of guy that will keep going as long as he feels like he has the chance to win with the players that he has. Brady, I think, I mean, I get the sense, there was some ESPN reporting last year that kind of hinted at this a couple of years ago, that hinted at Brady maybe wants to get out from under that shadow. Brady wants to, to be able to win without Belichick, and maybe just to an extent vice versa. That's why I could see them going on for longer and possibly going on without each other just to try it. Now, will it happen? I mean, I can't see either one of them having anywhere near the success that they have, they've had with each other without each other. Right. Yeah, and you're onto something there. I mean, Ian said something similar that um... – well, I mean, cl- clearly Brady is going to end his career as a Patriot. I mean, you know, them getting rid of, of Garoppolo kind of cemented that. So if anyone ends up leaving the Patriots, I would think it's Belichick at some point. And, and Ian kind of said the only other job you could see him taking is he's always wanted that Giants head coaching job because, you know, New York is kind of the bright lights, I guess. 
Uh, but that would be very interesting to see Belichick coaching somewhere else someday. Wouldn't it be great to see him just switch sports, you know, see him go take over the Lakers or something like that, just see if he just, just runs completely through a completely different league? Because if anybody on earth could do it, he could. Absolutely. Uh, you know, good time to ask, you know, rather than ending on it, I'll just ask you now. I, we're talking about, you know, let's say Brady wins another. Uh, what's your pick right now? Who are the two teams in the Super Bowl, and, and who do you see winning it this year? Uh, let's see. I picked... Well, I ranked my most the matchups from worst to first, and most of my top matchups are still alive, obviously. And uh, I said Saints Chiefs. So, with all due respect mm. to, to my Patriots fan friend here, I mean, it's going to be that would be if that's what comes comes to pass. I mean, the, the over under on that is going to be 150, and it's going to be it's not going to be defensive football. You're going to have right. a whole lot of people grousing and grumbling about it. But man, would that be a fun fun game to watch? And that's I think that's what the the, the fun point about this whole this, at this whole point. Every single matchup of, the, of, the, of all of them that are left would be a great matchup. So I think that's, yeah. that's what we've got to look forward to these, these last three games of the year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, any of the matchups possible with these four teams will be great. And it's, it's, it's cool, too, because, you know, we remember that incredible Monday night game between the Chiefs and the Rams. And at the time, uh, people said, well, this could be the Super Bowl matchup. But then there was a tweet that I, I saw a lot of people retweeting that night, and I forget who it was. I, 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 I've been trying to find it so I can kind of tease the person, but but they said, you know, great game, incredible game, but I'll I'll tell you right now, I'll surprise you, don't think either of these teams ends up in the Super Bowl. And it's like, well, they're both still around, and it could very well be Rams-Chiefs. So. That's a, yeah, it's a great old takes one. Yeah, I, I had one from a couple of years ago that I found on my own on my own timeline saying something about how uh, the Rams and the Chargers, if you combine the team, they might win They might win eight games a season. So, you know, just, to, just as lost as, as that poor fellow. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a fun parlor game. We've been talking about the quarterbacks and how, in many ways, it was the year of the quarterback. In fact, early in the season, when, when it started to look like the ratings right away were, were looking up and things were good and the political narrative had died away, we had um, Lewis Riddick on one of our live shows, who's you know, a great broadcaster. You know, some thought he was going to get that Witten spot on ESPN Monday Night Football. And he was basically saying that, you know, it's the season of, of young star quarterbacks, and that is what is driving the excitement. We were playing the game of, like, why are ratings up? And he was like, that's it, and nothing else. It's, you know, Baker Mayfield, Mahomes, it's Goff. Um, so all of that as a lead-in to a, a game I play with some of my friends, and we all had interesting answers. You, whoever your team is, you can pick any current quarterback in the league as your starter next season. Who do you want? Oh, that's nice. That's a good question. Man, I, I got to go Mahomes just because if you're looking at in terms of a long-term career, plus the ability, plus the the, the, the you know the pure ability, plus the the showmanship ability. I mean, that's he's got he's got the total package for a 21st century athlete. I mean, he may not be the most uh, telegenic athlete, but so what? Right. He, you know, what he does is, uh, is, is on the field is outstanding. I mean, I, I was here in Atlanta. There's a, there's a toxic name to mention, I know, but Michael Vick was when Michael Vick was quarterbacking here before we found out what we found out about him. Sure. Uh, and you had to, it was like watching Barry Bonds at the, at the plate back in the old days. You had to make sure that you were in front of the TV when the Falcons lined up on offense because there was nothing else like him out there. And Mahomes has got a lot of that. You never quite know what's going to happen. So if I'm picking a quarterback that's going to be the total package of my team, I'm going with him. Yeah, um, and I love Mike Vick. I think that's a, a great example of you know terrific quarterback. Um, it's funny when we played this game kind of halfway through the season. A lot of my friends were saying Mahomes, and and I sort of was saying, well, you know, hold on because it's still just the first look, and right. we've seen a lot of young quarterbacks have one terrific season, 
and then you know not really match out again. You know, Dak Prescott w- was incredible. I guess two seasons ago, right? Wasn't it the season before last? Right, sixteen. Yeah, and um, yeah, so we've seen that before. So no way to know that he'll be this good every season, but he sure looks good right now. Um, a couple of people said Andrew Luck, which which surprised me, but I guess it shouldn't surprise me that much. I mean, he's really impressed after he missed basically two full seasons. Um, and then, uh, you know, I also think that, that Russell Wilson, in a way, maybe this is silly to say since he won the Super Bowl, but I think that, uh, and, and I guess I'm doing what, what we said some people do at Breeze, but I think Russell Wilson, in a way, is still kind of a, uh, underrated. I, I agree. Yeah, I was, I was going to make, make the Breeze comparison as well because, yeah, he's got that Super Bowl. If he had gotten that second Super Bowl, I think we'd be having a whole different conversation about the Seahawks and about Russell Wilson. But, right. yeah, every, he's another guy that every time you watch him, you're like, wait a second, he's, he's pretty good. Oh, I yeah. think it's the fact that the environment that he's in, the way that he's, he's had to basically turn over the entire team around, not he, but, he, but uh, the Seahawks have turned over the entire team around him pretty much, that's kind of uh, hurt his prestige and his, his awareness. But, yeah, I think that next year he comes back and he's, he's reclaiming his throne. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the Seahawks actually give us a good segue, you know, what with Carroll, um, to my coaching question. I, you know, when we talk about the NFL and we talk about all these big pro leagues, it's also always a, an interesting management story, you know, not just because of team owners, but, you know, coaching changes and how that happens. And recently we had, you know, Black Monday where all these coaches were fired, and we, we see that every year. But this year especially, I thought there was a little bit of an interesting conversation that evolved, and that was around you know, teams and organizations that, that fire someone too quickly and hastily. And it's like the coaches bear all, you know, they, they take all the blame. And, of course, the prime example, people were saying, gosh, the Cardinals didn't even give that guy more than one season. Um, and it just seemed crazy. And, and now, of course, going with, with Cliff Kingsbury, who, you know, not an NFL guy and didn't even, people are pointing to his record at, at Texas Tech. What do you make of all that? I mean, do you think that, that it is unfair? And, of course, you know, people have very little sympathy because these guys are paid so much money. But do you think that in a lot of cases these coaches are fired very hastily and unfairly? And uh, what do you make of specifically that situation with Arizona? Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's an excellent point because – the reason why the NFL kind of resists statistical analysis is because the sample size is so small. It's not like it's literally one tenth the size of a baseball season. And so what, what happens in the course of what, what could, for a baseball team would be a short slump is for an NFL team, a, a devastating run that, that kills their season. And so I think that you've got to give, I mean, I'm not writing the checks, obviously, but you know, you've got to give a, a, a coach time to get acclimated time for the, for the, the, the message to take hold the philosophy to take hold. And, and after one season, you know, it's it's really you've got to have something really going wrong, and and Wilkes had some strong support in the locker room, so that's you know that that's a situation where you wonder if they pulled the plug too quickly. But you see something what happens in the NFL. The NFL is is, is inherently a follow the leader league, and if you see someone having success in one area, then you're immediately going to jump on and say, okay, we want some of that too. And so you see it with quarterbacks. If there's one quarterback who was a great freshman year, great uh, rookie year, not freshman year, great rookie year. Uh, they say they want that, and you see Sean McVay over in Los Angeles having you know the guy's what 14 years old, and he's going to take his team all the way to the NFC Championship. You say we want that too, so it's 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 a copycat league in that way, and I think that 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 really uh, bodes poorly for the teams that are the copycats rather than teams that are the innovators. Totally, I, I think that's a great way to put it. And um, you know, once this all settles out and and shakes out, and we have the Super Bowl. Uh, we will have to check back in with you on kind of prospects for next NFL season. Absolutely. We can see how far off the mark we were on all these. That's right. And uh, let me end this way, Jay. You know, I, I mentioned off the top, but we had some fun guests last year who are authors of recent books. And uh, I want to make sure we mention that, of course, you are an author. Uh, in 2016, you had your book, Earnhardt Nation. Uh, I actually interviewed Dale Jr. earlier this year for one of our live programs. So that was 
that was good fun, and he has a really um, honest, interesting book out about head injuries. But uh, because you are an author yourself, I love asking all of our guests this, and I haven't uh, told you ahead of time I'm going to ask this, but tell us some of your very favorite sports-related books, whether nonfiction <laughs> or maybe even novels. Well, uh, you know, there's all kinds of, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, but I am looking right now, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat here and I'm going to, to pull one that's not even out yet. Uh, a guy named Wright Thompson, a buddy of mine, works for ESPN, an outstanding writer. I mean, everyone in sports media has heard of him. He's, he's the God. And he's got a book coming out called, what is it called here? The Cost of These Dreams. And it's, it's a collection of his columns. It's coming out in April, I believe. And it's just outstanding. I mean, it's just, the kind of thing that you come back to again and again reading his writing. But uh, also on my shelf here, I've got Friday Night Lights, which Buzz Bissinger is oh, sure. you know, he's obviously been a, you know, been, been a character in the news of late. But you, you can't go and read Friday Night Lights. I reread it last year, and you can't read it now in 2019 without seeing, even though it was, was 30 years ago, can't, without seeing the echoes of what's still around now. Plus, it's got a cameo by Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad, which surprised me when I reread it. Oh, wow. No, I didn't yeah. know that. Huh. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Or I didn't remember it. Yeah, that's but yeah, those one. are my two right now that I could pull off off the top of my head. Of course, my own book, Run Heart Nation, simply outstanding, <laughs> and I would recommend that everyone get it. But uh, but yeah, it's you know it, it's it's always fun writing a book, and it's fun to have people read it. That's great. That's great, Jay. Yes, everyone pick up Jay's book, Earn Heart Nation, and Jay is on Twitter at Jay Busby, J A Y B U S B E E. Thanks, Jay. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. Okay. All right, that was Yahoo Finance Sportsbook. We love talking NFL and all other things happening. Of course, when you hear this on Thursday, the AFC and NFC Championship games will be just days away, and uh, we all know who I'm rooting for. We will have to check in with you next week once we know the Super Bowl matchup, and we will discuss all things business of Super Bowl, which is always a big story that I have a lot to write about here at Yahoo Finance, so look for my coverage there. Thank you to our guest, Jay Busby, and thank you to you guys, the listeners. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on all different podcast platforms. We come out every Thursday. Thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye.